Chapter 9 of Company H by Sam R. Watkins. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chickamauga. Battle of Chickamauga. Sunday morning of that September day, the sun rose over the eastern hills clear and beautiful. The day itself seemed to have a Sabbath day look about it. The battlefield was in a rough and broken country with trees and undergrowth that ever since the creation had never been disturbed by the acts of civilized man. It looked wild, weird, uncivilized. Our corps, Polk's, being in the engagement the day before, were held in reserve. Reader, were you ever held in reserve of an attacking army? To see couriers dashing backward and forward, to hear the orders given to the brigades, regiments, and companies, to see them forward in line of battle, the battle flags waving, to hear their charge, and then to hear the shock of battle, the shot and shell, all the while sizzing and the zipping and thudding and screaming and roaring and bursting and passing right over your heads, to see the litter corps bringing back the wounded continually, and hear them tell how their command was being cut to pieces and that every man in a certain regiment was killed and to see a cowardly colonel as we saw on this occasion he belonged to longstreet's corps come dashing back looking the very picture of terror and fear exclaiming oh man man for god's sake go forward and help my men they are being cut all to pieces we can't hold our position oh for god's sake please go and help my command to hear some of our boys ask what regiment is that what regiment is that he replies such and such regiment and then to hear some fellow ask, "'Why ain't you with him, then, you cowardly puppy? Take off that coat and those chicken guts. Coo, sheep, ba, ba, black sheep. Flicker, flicker. Ain't you ashamed of yourself? Flicker, flicker. I've got a notion to take my gun and kill him,' etc. Every word of this is true. It actually happened. But all that could demoralize, and I may say intimidate a soldier, was being enacted, and he not allowed to participate.' How we were moved from one position to another, but always under fire, our nerves strung to their utmost tension, listening to the roar of battle in our immediate front, to hear it rage and then get dimmer until it seems to die out entirely, then all at once it breaks out again, and you think now in a very few minutes you will be ordered into action, and then all at once we go double-quicking to another portion of the field, the battle raging back from the position we had left. General Leonidas Polk rides up, and happening to stop on our front, some of the boys halloo out, "'Say, General, what command is that which is engaged now?' The General kindly answered, "'That is Longstreet's Corps. He is driving them this way, and we will drive them that way, and crush them between the upper and nether millstone.' Turning to General Cheatham, he said, "'General, move your division and attack at once.' Everything is at once set in motion, and General Cheatham, to give the boys a good send-off, says, "'Forward, boys, and give them hell!' General Polk also says a good word, and that word was, Do as General Cheatham says, boys. You know he was a preacher and couldn't curse. After marching in solid line, seesawing, right obliquing, left obliquing, guide center and close up, commence firing, fire at will, charge and take the breastworks, our pent-up nervousness and demoralization of all day is suddenly gone. We raise one long, loud, cheering shout and charge right upon their breastworks. They are pouring their deadly missiles into our advancing ranks from under their headlogs. We do not stop to look around to see who is killed and wounded, but press right up their breastworks and plant our battle flag upon it. They waver and break and run in every direction. 
when General John C. Breckinridge's division, which had been supporting us, march up and pass us in full pursuit of the routed and flying Federal Army. After the Battle We remained upon the battlefield of Chickamauga all night. Everything had fallen into our hands. We had captured a great many prisoners and small arms and many pieces of artillery and wagons and provisions. The Confederate and Federal dead, wounded and dying, were everywhere scattered over the battlefield. Men were lying where they fell, shot in every conceivable part of the body, some with their entrails torn out and still hanging to them, and piled up on the ground beside them, and they still alive, some with their underjaw torn off and hanging by a fragment of skin to their cheeks, with their tongues lolling from their mouth, and they trying to talk, some with both eyes shot out, with one eye hanging down on their cheek. In fact, you might walk over the battlefield and find men shot from the crown of the head to the tip end of their toe. And then to see all those dead, wounded, and dying horses, their heads and tails drooping, and they seeming to be so intelligent as if they comprehended everything, I felt like shedding a tear for those innocent, dumb brutes. Reader, a battlefield after the battle is a sad and sorrowful sight to look at. The glory of war is but the glory of battle, the shouts and cheers and victory. A soldier's life is not a pleasant one. It is always at best one of privations and hardships. The emotions of patriotism and pleasure hardly counterbalance the toil and suffering that he has to undergo in order to enjoy his patriotism and pleasure. Dying on the field of battle and glory is about the easiest duty a soldier has to undergo. It is the living, marching, fighting, shooting soldier that has the hardships of war to carry. When a brave soldier is killed, he is at rest. The living soldier knows not at what moment he too may be called on to lay down his life on the altar of his country. The dead are heroes. The living are but men compelled to do the drudgery and suffer the privations incident to the thing called glorious war. A Night Among the Dead we rested on our arms where the battle ceased. All around us everywhere were the dead and wounded, lying scattered over the ground and in many places piled in heaps. Many a sad and heart-rending scene did I witness upon this battlefield of Chickamauga. Our men died the death of heroes. I sometimes think that surely our brave men have not died in vain. It is true our cause is lost, but a people who love those brave and noble heroes should ever cherish their memory as men who died for them. I shed a tear over their memory. They gave their all to their country. Abler pens than mine must write their epitaphs and tell of their glories and heroism. I am but a poor writer, at best, and only try to tell of the events that I saw. One scene I now remember that I can imperfectly relate while a detail of us were passing over the field of death and blood with a dim lantern, looking for our wounded soldiers to carry to the hospital, we came across a group of ladies looking upon the killed and wounded for their relatives. When I heard one of the ladies say, There they come with their lanterns. I approached the ladies and asked them for whom they were looking. They told me the name, but I have forgotten it. We passed on. And coming to a pile of our slain, we had turned over several of our dead, when one of the ladies screamed out, Oh, there he is! Poor fellow! Dead! Dead! 
dead. She ran to the pile of slain and raised the dead man's head and placed it on her lap and began kissing him and saying, Oh, oh, they have killed my darling, my darling, my darling. Oh, mother, mother, what must I do? My poor, poor darling. Oh, they have killed him. They have killed him. I could witness the scene no longer. I turned and walked away, and William A. Hughes was crying and remarked, Oh, law me, this war is a terrible thing. We left them and began again hunting for our wounded. All through that long September night we continued to carry off our wounded, and when the morning sun arose over the eastern hills, the order came to march to Missionary Ridge. End of chapter 9